0: Hello, my friends. Today, we are talking to Najaf, the Chief Software Development Officer at OPSEC Security. And we discuss the technology they use to protect the world's biggest brands, why having an innovative mindset will make every day exciting, and the advantages of working at a company with an appetite for disruption. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Chief Software Development Officer. I love that title.
1: I know. Not very common, though. But yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. Did you choose it? So, organizationally, our CEO is, is very much, uh, you know, about disruption, coming up with new ideas. So he's, he's great at that. So he wanted to separate out the, the infrastructure and the software development aspect, which basically is pretty cool because I think usually those go... Very much hand in hand, but um, infrastructure for us is slightly different because what we do as a as a company, there are physical factories involved. So there's technology that is very much related to what we do from printing standpoint. So that's why that that differentiation was required. So that was a uh, that was his idea. we very creative. Can you give
0: me an overview of like what you guys do?
1: Yeah. So. Um, we provide like end-to-end solutions for brands uh, to protect brands and their integrity. So basically anything from, you know, printed labels, you know, with unique holograms on them, as well as identifiers. We also do security films on, on these little uh, government IDs uh, and then passports uh, films. And then, uh, you know, you can obviously look at it from a tilted standpoint and then you'll see some some cool security aspects to it. Uh, and then we also do the digital side, which is basically detecting counterfeiting uh, online and then across all the different marketplaces, any piracy activities, like, you know, people streaming illegal live events and stuff like that. So we reinforce that. Uh, we also detect phishing activities, which basically is consumer frauds, you know, phishing, on dark web and, you know, regular internet. I mean, it to a consumer, it'll look like a Bank of America site, but we, we know it's a phishing site. So once you provide your credentials, you pretty much have handed that over to the bad actor.
0: So you have a number of different products.
1: We do, we do, yeah.
0: Physical as well as digital, so. And you're responsible for the software across all of them. Indeed, yes. And that's a unique job.
1: It's a fun job it's an exciting job actually you know when i um when I came to know about what you know opsec does and uh and the whole unique industry that this was in, I was pretty uh, blown away by how big this industry is uh you know with with all the bad actors you know with the engagement with the law enforcement agencies i mean we work very closely with the fbi and 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 some of the other uh law enforcement agencies to go after these You know bad actors who these i would say almost criminal acts of you know selling this this whole industry which is basically feeding off of this right so fake products and stuff like that so very unique it's
0: a it's a battle which basically is making a difference so i'm pretty excited about this i know a little bit about it so about 10 years ago I was working on some government projects mm-hmm. and one of the projects I was a consultant on was, I'm choosing my words carefully, <laughs> um, <laughs> was related to the, the stickers that authenticate if products were made in the United States or not. Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn whether you would put these stickers on fruits or goods or in how you would track them with IDs and if the stickers had RFIDs. And there was just a number of different security aspects and ways to do it. And when I got into it, it was one government purchasing from another government, right? Mm -hmm. And so I learned how much money there is. in this. I was blown away. I was like, these stickers will be used for like fruit and something else, uh, like refrigerators or something. It was like an appliance of some sort. And I was like, you guys are going to do these two items and you're going to make this much money on just following this it was like a supply chain tracking concept and mm-hmm. for authentication and and uh at the time i was just blown away by how large of a of an industry that was and then you know you see when you watch a dvd right yeah about pro- anti-privacy and then they direct you to a website and you realize oh okay this is funding like the dark the black market
1: <laughs> it is
0: yeah yeah so you're like a superhero then <laughs>
1: I'm blushing. Yes. No. Yeah. In fact, uh, recently I did uh, T-shirts for my uh, entire software engineering org, and basically we're, we are making a difference. So this labels that you talked about, we do RFID-enabled, you know, tags. We do track and trace. We do stickers on or tax stamps on uh, tobacco products. You know, cigarettes have them. Wine bottles have them so it's a you know it's a wide variety of uh, all the different ways to track them and then we know exactly where they're being sold in which markets and uh, it's very much like you know the movie uh, movie eagle eye i don't know if you remember that or not but you know they have cameras everywhere so you basically are tracking the product going through this life cycle and then and then the law enforcement agencies as well as you know um, the local authorities have access to our or app and they can scan those and then figure out for example ball games you know have a bunch of merchandise on it right so with the mlb t-shirts and then the nba t-shirts and so it's it's very good to you know easy you know for us to track which vendors are selling the right products and which ones are not
0: and it's becoming very important too especially with all the shopping online for example I had purchased something off of Amazon and I wanted to return it to the manufacturer. I wanted to use the warranty on it, but because I didn't buy it directly from them, I didn't have, it didn't count. And I was, I thought, I never knew that that part existed of the market. And then I realized, Oh, they had a valid point. I asked them to explain why to me. And they said, because people can make counterfeit versions and you can buy the counterfeit version. And the way of them knowing it was their version was me having a receipt directly from them.
1: Mm -hmm. That was
0: their their method of tracking. And I didn't have the receipt from them. I had it from a third party seller. So I couldn't use the warranty. Yeah.
1: Earlier back in the day, I've got a very extensive, you know, retail technology experience. So and and you know, that's the biggest problem is as soon as you start to grow these marketplaces, you have to have the sellers on them. But you can't really go and track each seller what they're you know, what they're selling on the platform. So you make it easier for the sellers to onboard. But at the same time, you make it—you uh, know—you don't have the checks and balances whether they have the right products that they're selling or not. So, it's a big market. I mean, people buy, people buy expensive watches online and then don't even know sometimes that that watch, you know, is not authentic, right? So it's a, so it's a, it's helping both brands as well as the consumers, right? The well-intended consumers who actually want to buy the real stuff. So yeah, OPSEC does you know does our part in in terms of tracking that down
0: now you as an executive often executives they'll participate in sales calls uh certain levels you know different clients but when you have four different well i think four i counted earlier like four different product lines are you having to know all the value props and how to sell across all the lines or communicate value across all the lines or do you focus on one or are you not even in sales calls
1: I, I am in sales calls. Uh, in fact, I'd, li- I'd like to be connected with the industry and the market, right? So, you know, most often the you know the software leadership you know just is very inward facing. So, one of the things that I picked on very early in my career is just to just to have that outward facing connection. So, I, I am in those calls, but I I do listen. Quite a bit, you know, in terms of what the customers are talking about, what the clients are talking about. As far as the portfolio goes, the fundamental uh, business model is to protect our brands, right? So that basically cuts across all our product lines, right? So whether it be a customer on on piracy, and uh, whether it be a customer on fancy high end fashion retailer or something like that. So the the value prop is pretty much that we're going to protect your uh, brand and integrity online, uh, as well as physically. But also, I I know the the platforms well enough to be able to understand where the the changes could be, you know, brought about in terms of you know addressing certain client problems at a large scale. So I I try to uh, to stretch myself across all these different calls. Obviously, there's only a few hours in a day, and that also has shrunk my sleeping hours to four hours, uh, four hours a day, which is not healthy. <laughs> no. So, so yeah, but, uh, you know, I do my best, but I have a fantastic team in place, uh, you know, with uh, different functional leadership, uh, and we're constantly evolving. I mean, one of the things that I keep doing is to evolve my organization so that we're not stagnant. We're not sitting in the same silos. You know, I just keep cross pollinating, moving them around. So it just, uh, keeps the momentum going.
0: You gotta get more time for stargazing. Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the little bit of time that I get in between, you know, that's what I that's what I do. Stargazing and daydreaming.
0: <laughs> that's four hours though is not healthy. You gotta I, I get eight eight to eight and a half hours depending on the Now I get a lot of sleep. I mean I go to bed early. I go to bed, you know, eight thirty nine and then wake up at five ish. So That's good. I I did a study. I ran a study on myself. I tried, you know, because you read these books and you hear these people and there's apparently people out there that can sleep a lot less and Mm. and function fine. My stepmom, who's a physician, a doctor, she happens to be one of those people. Mm. She gets like five or six hours of sleep and she does 110%. So I decided, oh, I'm going to stretch myself to do this for a lengthy period of time. I ran different sleeping schedules for 90 days at a time. For mm. me, eight to eight and a half hours is where I have the maximum cognitive function.
1: That's wonderful, yeah. yeah. I think it's just, body trains itself too. It's, uh, you know, the uh, the need for, you know, I, was, I, I always used to sleep and, you know, stay up late and then wake up, you know, early. That The early software development days, you know, just oh. uh, blasting off music and then just, <laughs> just keep working on stuff and then you have the chain of uh, thoughts going and then you're developing stuff and you don't want to stop. But um but then you know switching into uh an executive role and then you know looking across different global teams has had changed you know has changed my my, uh, my habits, you know, my routine quite a bit. Um so I stay connected with all my global leaders. And uh, that's, I started that, you know, with Walmart. Walmart is globally in 27 countries. So it's just, uh, it's pretty, pretty hard to uh, scale if you don't, you know, stay connected uh, with, with different teams.
0: When I saw you at Walmart, I was excited because there's been this trend of people that I meet that used to be executives at Walmart. They are all fantastic. I started noticing it on the show. We started talking about it. I said, look, Walmart's doing something where they're churning out these really interesting leaders.
1: That's amazing. I don't know
0: what it is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. In fact, you're right. And Walmart is a great employer. I mean, in fact, they it trains its uh, leaders quite a bit. The Wal uh, the Walton Institute, you know, um, the, the whole leadership track is just fantastic. So, yeah, um, I don't know who else you've spoken to, but uh, I'm sure my colleagues are are fantastic.
0: Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Or yes, here, I mess his name up all the time. Yeah. But he's uh CTO of Williams-Noma. He's actually out in San Francisco. He's I know. A really I great. Guy. I mean, how yeah. do I say his name? Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Now we've got it recorded. I can. Re- got it. I got it. Got it. I got to go meet him and hang out with him and give a talk to his engineering teams, uh, at their office. And man, such a, such a great guy. But at some point, like his assistant pulled me aside and was like, you're saying his name wrong. I was (laughs) like, Oh no. And now ever since then, I can't remember which one it is. But the also, uh, Jeremy King, who is, I think he's at Pinterest now, but he was at another company. He's, he's really cool guy too.
1: Oh my God. Jeremy is, is fantastic. Uh, He's one of the leaders that I've, you know, I've learned from quite a bit, and he's a fantastic guy at heart. Um, he used to take us out for happy hour all the time. That's why I like him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man, this is good. Yeah, it's a small world, isn't it? It is a small
1: world. Yes, yes.
0: So take me back to the days when you were. Just a just a little one, just a toddler. Were you dreaming of being an executive technology leader? What were you, or were you stargazing, wanting to be an astronaut? Take me back to the young you. I was
1: thinking about being an astronaut. In fact, that's funny that you said that. You know, I I loved stars. That's why I have a telescope here. Uh, very interested in the outer space, you know, stuff. Uh, life. Stephen Hawking is what I read when I, you know, all the time when I had time. So. Just uh, yeah, I think that as a toddler, I was all over the place. In fact, I wanted to be an architect also at one point uh, because I, you know, I knew uh, my dad's friend who actually designed amazing buildings and stuff like that. So I'm like, I want to be an architect. So yeah, I was all over the place. I was not structured at all. <laughs> never, never thought I would uh, make it to uh, a leadership uh, role, but you know, it's just a series of events that took place. Um, so I am, I am here.
0: So what about high school? What were you like in high school?
1: Very outgoing, extremely social. My dad and mom were extremely, uh, uh, concerned that I would probably, um, be on the wrong track, uh, would not come back home. Uh, you know, most of the days uh, in the morning uh, you know stay out all night you know those so it was just one of those uh, crazy phase but i was very studious i actually just like any other family you know from subcontinent you know they there is this element of studies in us like you know my family is all at least bachelors or masters you know that that always ran in the family so so while I did all those crazy things, I I did study and kept my grades up. So uh, you know that basically kept my um, uh, parents off my tail most of the time because you know I I was uh, I was a good student. But yeah, it was a fun times, and
0: uh, just like any other high schooler, you know, basically had no direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that discipline though of being able to hit your goals and then gives you the freedom right? To have that slack in other places. I I also have been asking this recently just because I was curious. I always like to relate it back to, you know, my experiences. And I was very, I guess, unparented, mm-hmm. right? And that, and looking back on it now, having kids and, and trying to just better understand myself, uh, that freedom or that lack of parenting, it could have gone really bad, right? <laughs> but luckily it didn't. And it forced me to sort of direct my own life and and learn how to make decisions and develop that compass earlier on than most. I think a lot of people will develop that later in college, but the amount of freedom I had forced me to develop it earlier on.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. In fact, you're right. Um, it's a, it's a it's an interesting concept that you know more restrictions you have sometimes you know. Uh, pushes the rebel in you and you know you know, and less of the restrictions you have, in fact you have less parenting. I think you you try to become more disciplined yourself. Like it's a it's a natural phenomenon. But yeah, it's a, it's pretty interesting to know that you had you know you had brought that structure back in back in the high school days.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how not to screw up my kids. <laughs> I was like reading books. Everybody has so many different like, they're like, oh, let them choose. So I was like, all right, that sounds like a good one. So rather than me choosing forum, I typically will pick two things. I'll be like, choose which one you want, get better at decision. It's like I'm training a little AI algorithm. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and then it, it tends
1: to break all the time too, because my, you know, I've got teenagers, like 18 year old and a 16 year old. And a 16 year old, I actually just recently got his license. In fact, last week, Thursday, he got his behind. He passed his behind-the-wheel test, and you know he has a license now. So, so yeah, it's uh, you know, the more I talk to them, I mean, the 18-year-old doesn't talk talk to me that often, but but, uh, <laughs> but the 16-year-old started to you know move in that trend. I think I did you know me and my wife did a decent job in you know telling them what to do and what not to do. But at the same time, I'm following that concept of. Letting them learn on their own, you know, and then have them discipline themselves on their own. So, hopefully, that doesn't,
0: you know, backfire on us. Yeah, you were so close too. Sixteen, you almost made it to like self-driving cars, right? Yeah. And then you wouldn't have to worry about them. Just strap them in the Tesla, put on autopilot, lock the key, <laughs> enter the destination, and then just yep. back to the future. You're there. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. So. How did you end up like I want to know the story of you meeting the executive team at Opsec and deciding to join how did how did that process go for you?
1: Yeah, so um, for me, I was you know very much on the like I said the retail technology side and uh, you know at that time i after I left eBay, I was pretty much you know executive consulting stage where I was you know giving help or providing help to other e-commerce retailers who were actually, or retailers who wanted to be successful, uh, successful in e-commerce, building e-commerce platforms, building digital experience for their clients. So I was in that mode, and then I got pinged one day on this opportunity where there's this world problem that we're trying to solve, right? And in terms of, you know, fighting or battle against counterfeiting, right? So it, it actually caught my attention quite a bit, and. I decided to um talk about this in a very you know just uh, in a casual fashion let me let me learn about it because I was not ready to get into uh like a full time full time you know gig because I wanted to just you know take a break and you know um try to uh write articles or you know work on my book and stuff like that so it's um it was one of those things where I found this so interesting after the first conversation that it is about finding you know fake goods that are being sold online and then working with the law enforcement agencies and you know just the whole aspect of making the difference you know for the well-intended consumers and the brands and all that stuff. So it got my attention quite a bit, and it was back in 2019. Uh, it was the tail end of 2018 when I started to you know talk with. Um, Previously known Mark Monitor, which was the previous name for OPSEC and OPSEC, acquired the digital side of that um, as well. Um, so, you know, and the whole idea of, of combating this, you know, coming up with creative ideas, beating the hackers who are actually doing all this, right? So this is like this whole notion of uh, being that superhero that you referred to before, you know, really got me. And also, there is this huge opportunity in this industry um, or in this niche space. I would say to you know have that innovative hat on and understand consumer market quite a bit. So I had that experience. So, so my decision, you know, at that time was I'm going to take this on. I'm going to try to you know uh, change the way how we do things in this in this space and that has been exciting from day 1 and it's still very exciting in fact i every day there's something interesting that i learn or find out about how the different techniques that people are using to fool well intended you know consumers like you know they were pricing techniques that they would use you know images the stock images that they use and things like that so Constantly coming up with ideas to to battle this—it's just great. And then uh, behind the scenes, you know, I just love disrupting certain things. Like you know, in terms of um, making sure that I make a difference and also add some value, but also disrupting that with new technologies, new AI and machine learning stuff. So that's something that drove me into this market, and now um, I'm loving every bit of it.
0: Have you written a book yet?
1: No, I'm. <laughs> it's one of my long running projects that is uh, up, you know, I'm I'm at my third chapter. So, uh, you know, hopefully I can fly off to Hawaii and just isolate myself and then write a
0: book. Can I share with you my secret on how I did it? Because I tried and failed many times. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Ultimately, what worked is I went on like an Upwork or one of those sites. And I found like a freelance ghostwriter and I paid them hourly to meet with me once a week at the same time every week. It took, I think, 12 weeks. And each week we had a conversation topic I wanted to talk about, and we just discussed it. We recorded it. And then after he listened to the recording and turned them into some writings, which I then edited, we met again to do like we did a first version of a chapter. Of all the chapters and we did second versions of all the chapters I think it took like 12 16 weeks it cost me you know two three thousand bucks i think and um ended up with a first draft and it was because i was doing it with someone consistently it was like thursdays at 9 8 like 9 to 10 a.m for an hour and then he would take the notes we'd put everything in dropbox and then he would spit out a draft and i told him i wanted it to sound like how i speak And that was one of the biggest compliments I've gotten from the book. He said, oh, it sounds like how you speak. I was like, great. So he had to, you know, figure out that style, but just that consistency, Thursdays, one hour for several weeks and figured it out. And then we came out with a, with a book.
1: That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing your paper. That's, you know, I've been looking for that discipline, but, uh, you know, I didn't know, uh, where to find these ghostwriters? You know, if you have any references, yeah. you can send
0: I do. Them. I can send you the guy I used. I don't know if he's still doing it, but I'll definitely send you the guy. I was actually just thinking about this. I was camping this weekend mm-hmm. and you know, stargazing, camping. It's one of my yeah. one of the things I like to do. And uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's been like two, almost two or three years since I wrote the the first book. And I'd say I was trying to write that book for two years, and then I finally decided to get really serious about it. And hire that person to help and that made all the difference it was that energy of getting to do it do the project with them that made that made it successful for me at least for me
1: no no i think this is fantastic and i I appreciate that because i you know i think doing it alone and the the chain of thoughts like you and i are just now you know talking about stuff things just come you know you know into my head and then all of that time that I need to just write it down on a piece of paper, that time is never to be found, because you know, right after this conversation, there will be another meeting or, you know, or, or a conversation or some email distraction, and then you know there goes the thought. So it's good to capture that in that moment, and then you know, once you talk about it, you listen to it, it makes more sense to you. So I think I'm definitely going to try this.
0: Yeah, the other big th- if i had to boil it down to one or two things i'd say getting someone to help you like that and then talking with them having them translate the recordings into something that's that's well written and then the second thing is the i had this misconception and this just might be me but i felt like because it was a book in these chapters that somehow the story had to run together but if you go pick up any book like any business book there's no there's hardly any connection it's each Top each chapter is a is like a thought. It's like a concept, and you can you know interconnect them, and it's easier to do that in editing afterwards. But or you can touch back to them, you know, like how a comedian would touch back to a joke or something like that. But uh, I, I, for some reason, when I was trying to write the book by myself before I met this writer, I was trying to make the chapters like flow into each other mm. and be a continued thought, and that was just some he said oh yep that's a basic beginner's mistake and i was like oh all right good i'm on track Interesting. i'm doing it i'm not thinking about doing it. i'm, <laughs> I'm making the beginner mistake <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that's pretty cool
0: i love it i love it okay so i'm excited I, i'm i'm sharing that because i want you to make a book i want you to make a book of catching like interesting stories of catching these bad actors. Talk about marketing. I mean, that would be a great marketing material because it's interesting. Everybody in the industry would want to hear the stories. Maybe start your own bad actor podcast, like e-commerce <laughs> bad actor, right? <laughs> I know it's
1: a, it's a whole new career, you know, waiting for me, right? That's, uh, <laughs> thank, uh <laughs> thank you for giving me or your, your giving me the
0: direction for the next steps. So thank yeah, you. Your marketing team would love that too. But ha- do you have good stories of, of catching bad actors?
1: I do. Um, you know, we basically have, uh, busted a group of fake handbag sellers in, uh, Basement of San Francisco downtown. It's <laughs> a very cool story. Uh, then shutting down uh, pirated content uh, being generated from servers in Middle East. You know that was another very cool one. We made it to the news also during that time that it was a big legal battle between. Whether you know companies like OPSEC can go after these uh, you know uh, pirated links or not, and if they if they are associated to uh, some cable companies or they're actually you know channeling it through that, would it make sense to shut it down or not? So, yeah, very cool stories. So tell I, tell me uh, one. What's the handbag story? Can you tell me? <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a family uh, interconnected family friends selling. Mostly, like big brand name brand. Uh, we'll just say name brand, like big brands. brand brands. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to name names, but you're right. Uh, yeah, the name brands. And then they were, you know, just posting that on or publishing them on eBay, Amazon with different names. Uh, and um, they all were tied back to the to the same address once in a while because we basically did test purchases from them. We did uh you know detected there. We have again, this is where the cool stuff comes in, uh implemented some you know machine learning and AI to figure out if if Joel C is here or Joel B, are they the same people? Like, you know, even if it's a even if it's an address that they would use, it'll, it'll be like, you know, five Chinatown, you know, San Francisco, right? So and uh they would change it to five Chinese New Year Street, you know, and then it's just the, the address pretty much there are some elements that would speak to linking them to the same address somehow, you know, and then the email addresses is, is another thing, the stock images, the background of the images where they were taken pictures off, right. So that's another thing which was basically taken into consideration. So after connecting all the dots, we found out that there were about 40 sellers Across different marketplaces, they're the same. They're the same group. <laughs> they're the same people. So we basically, uh, after we did the test purchases, and then you know started looking at and validating this, you know, with our law enforcement partners, like you know, it pretty much came out that yes, that's uh, that's where the operation, you know, was being run from, and it was busted, and it was pretty big. We were we were very proud of ourselves.
0: How do you, how do you, was like the credit card processor address, like they, or they just made a mistake?
1: So, yeah, that's where the secret sauce is with OPSEC. I, that's what, is, is,
0: <laughs> that's the spot we can't talk about.
1: Well, okay. This is the stuff that we can't talk about so that the competitors don't pick up on this. But, we, you know, there's a reason why we're the industry leaders in finding what we, what we find because it's just the, like I said, there, there are multiple different attributes to someone giving away. Uh, a trail. It's a very detective-related work, right? So, uh, anyone who would set up quickly, like you know, and these these sellers go up to like multi-million dollars in sales uh, really? in a month, right? Yeah. So they are they're pretty big, and in some cases, um, I keep mentioning well-intentioned inten- customers, and and there is a reason why. Because if you and I want to buy, you know. If you want to buy something for your wife, or if I want to buy something for my wife, and I want that to be, like a name brand or some designer brand or something like that, that that needs to, you know, first of all, it has to be authentic because we don't want to gift anything which is, you know, which is fake, or counterfeit. That process, you know, my intention is to buy the real thing. But if I, what if I get sold, the counterfeit product, right? So that's why I keep saying. But there are obviously uh, consumers who would, you know, intentionally buy something which is, you know, which is knockoffs, right? So the knockoff market is there. But, but we go after these sellers who actually claim that this is uh, real and, and genuine and, you know, the, the actual OEM, like uh, auto parts is another big industry. Uh, people say, yes, brake pads are real, you know, and uh, they are OEM. And then you put that on the uh, on an automobile and um, you know you run into an accident and there's no warranty on that. So that's it's basically almost impacting lives. So, so we have these uh, different engines and um, data-driven algos that you know basically pick up on these little mistakes that the sellers would do. You know, this, uh, either the stock images or you know use of the email address with same name with different domain you know use of a of an address which is basically looking similar on the map but you know it has a different address to it like or some addresses that are really close to each other uh, you know on you know in the location so we basically use all these different data attributes to pin down you know what uh, where the bad, bad actors are in some cases they're the one off lone wolves you know someone who's actually just selling by themselves but in some cases there are huge networks of um
0: of these sellers that we bust out that's cool yeah I have like office parties when we bust them up right <laughs> <laughs> yeah not quite
1: that but yeah
0: you know <laughs> we, s- we celebrate the wins hard over here no. <laughs> okay tell me about the uh the pirated content
1: right so uh piracy is pretty big uh you know as you know that uh, there are different URLs that uh, or links that you get, you know, friends will share that amongst themselves like, hey, you know, you want to watch that NBA game, go on this link, you'll actually get a live feed of it, right? Those are hosted by uh, these bad actors, there are servers that are running in different parts of the world. And, you know, they're they're just start off and and host bunch of different streams from their from the servers. And, and that gets very much handed over to in social chats, WhatsApp, uh, you know, Instas, uh, Snapchats. People are just passing these stories out and then those are basically live events. There are also on-demand events, you know, like for example uh, a new movie coming out in theaters and um, someone already takes a pirated DVD, you know, from from China or some other parts of the world and then you know they, they burn it and then they have now a live link or an on-demand link so you can actually go onto these websites to to, to watch those movies so we go after again it's a very protecting the brands uh, big names right i mean these the, they are big brands and producing and spending millions of dollars on these movies you know that uh, are for consumers use and um so we go after that these these video feeds these uh these links that are hosting these pirated uh, you know events uh, either live events or on-demand
0: events what's their incentive if they're giving it out for free and passing it am- amongst friends why are they incentivized to host this and spend their server resources on it that's a that's
1: a great question so wh- what 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 they do is is basically they are using different people's ips uh first of all to Detect their locations. They will also try to use their IP. So, for example, if your phone is on a on your home network and you're streaming a, a live game, you basically have exposed to your phone device IP to them. So they can actually use that device IP to use that for other activities. Like you know, they can actually just use that uh, IP address to go in and, and you know purchase something from uh, from a website or something like that. So there's a lot of different data um elements that are getting getting stolen uh based on that but also some cases are very straightforward of just being like i don't care i'm just going to share it with the rest of the world Uh, i'm one of these rebels that you know i I don't believe in (laughs) in and buying movie tickets so here you go here's a free link to to everyone so there are there are different cases for you know why they would do it but yeah, I mean these illegal streams not only impact brands but also impact consumers, you know, who are using it because they're exposing their IPs to, you know, to all these different uh, servers and different streams.
0: As an adult, I just have come to the conclusion that I'm voting with my money, essentially,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I really like movies, so just I just buy the movies, you know. I mean, I've got the techn- technology experience, right to do whatever I would want to do out there, and I'm just like, it's not worth it, man. It's these people. It's an awesome movie. It's what the most expensive movie is going to cost you twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cheaper than going to the theater, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I want more of them. Honestly, I think there's a shortage of movies. I think there's a shortage of great content. I think we should have more. I'm always looking for new kids movies and you know new movies that are interesting. So if you have any good ones, let me know.
1: We'll do. We'll do. Yeah. yeah.
0: But as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, I, I was a kid. So yeah, um, yeah. You know, when you're 13 on the internet and you just you want stuff, you don't really have money. You just kind of explore, and then you realize that pirated content has tons of viruses in it, and it's not even worth it.
1: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it, I agree. It really isn't. Yeah. It's and then you know, look, we've all been there,
0: right? I mean that's uh that's
1: the that's the thing with the pirated content. We've all been there, we've all, you know, taken advantage of it at some point. But there's this, you know, uh this industry has grown, you know, uh quite significantly big. And you know, it's just that the world is shrinking, uh, quite honestly. And then, you know, these uh this contents the intentions are not good uh, let, let me put it this way the the market is becoming more more vulnerable to exposing our devices and exposing our home networks to external feeds you know which basically is uh, a door you know to you know for bad actors to
0: come in and and steal your data so but i want it now and i'm going to press the okay button and see <laughs> what happens <laughs> That's true.
1: And it works like, right. I mean, it, it will start running the movie, right. And you will watch it and then you'll be done with it. But, uh, you don't know what has happened behind the scenes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: the <laughs> <laughs> right. You just commit, you just hacked like NASA satellite. And now you're going to prison. <laughs> right.
1: That's true. Could be. Yeah.
0: Oh man, that's, uh, yeah, it's way better just to pay and contribute and, enjoy more more awesome content. Now, when you're doing this, when you're putting together all these little things and you're you're chasing people in real time, obviously like AI can help automate things that we're aware of, or they can scan large data sets and then you can train them from their insights, similar to how we train the kids for decisions. But I'm curious, do you have a, you must have a process or a workflow or a team of somebody that's taking taking things that can happen once or twice, or they're making some sort of insights and observations and then translating them into code to look for at scale across all your brands. Is that part of your business?
1: You know, I, again, I, I, I love my, my team. They do a fantastic job. They're very passionate about what they do as well. I mean, our people are fantastic. They are 007s of this world, honestly. They, they you know, each one of our operations analysts, our customer service managers, they, have this creative mindset, you know, where they use this and leverage this data to identify this key problem that we have in the industry and and solve that for our customers. And our CEO is is a techie by heart, so he's uh, he's always supportive, and I and I love him for that because he would you know always say, hey, you know, go disrupt. And and I think that's where that's where the interesting dynamics come in. So yeah, we do. You know, use a lot of AI. We use uh, a lot of machine learning, but we also do, uh, our, you know, the use of capabilities across different product lines. So, being able to leverage something that we've built across the piracy platform. So, social media is another big thing, right? So, social media. We've recently uh, cracked the the nut on some of these social media media feeds, and you know how do we detect uh, a lot more content, whether it's. Uh, the brands, whether it's piracy, whether it is anything, you know, related to a discussion that's happening on a, on a particular brand, we've broken the code on that. And then that will then translate into uh, leveraging that across all the different platforms, not just, you know, brand protection, but anti piracy, you know, fraud, you know, track and trace. I mean, it, it just basically, uh, we're leveraging more more of these technologies across the board now.
0: Here's a question for you. Okay, so I was talking with Anthony, who's the CTO at SS&C Technologies. They're basically this huge company. They do tons of financial service technology. Super great guy. I enjoyed him a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, their company is, I don't know if you've heard of them, but you see their products and they have like thousands and thousands of employees. But the question I had for you about that Mm -hmm. was, do you do any sort of, you, you mentioned fraud and things like that, but do you ever work with any financial service companies?
1: We do. We do. We have a, a big portfolio of the financial clients, uh, big names that in fact in the market. and uh, you know, you, you, you have no idea how much of these financial services can take advantage from the OpSEC uh, you know, suite of products, because it, it's just our capability and what we have actually built over the years is is unbelievable. I mean it's still something that I, I think at this scale, being an industry leader and doing the 360 you know protection of consumers and brands and, and you know detecting fraud and all that stuff, detection and identifying, you know, what is a fish activity or what is truly a counterfeit product is no joke it is the years of of constantly training these intelligent models and outputs that's why i'm 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 so enthusiastic and, and very you know hyped up about talking you know about these things because i can easily claim that i don't think that there are anyone else in the market you know who could do this because there are small small players that have popped up in this industry and they claim that you know we have a very high detection rate and very high uh, enforcement rates and stuff like that. But man, I tell you, I don't think that they they've got what we have. Uh, it's because it's not it's no joke. We're sitting on huge data lakes. We're we're sitting on a collection of data, you know, from years, uh, and we know exactly, you know, certain attributes and what contributes to what. So financial industry. Sorry, I, I was derailed a little bit, but financial industry, we do. Very heavy lifting for them, you know. Where their clients, their consumers, you know, will experience fraud. You know, one out of ten transactions they'll experience fraud. You know, my mom or my dad will know. You know, if they'll receive an email from Bank of America or an XYZ financial company, click on this link. You know, we have a a, an email for you, and then you you click on it, and then you you shown an interface, and they'll log in. They have their passwords, you know, (laughs) handy on their phones and they're like, you know, they're just typing it through one by one and then, yeah, boom, that's gone. So we do provide services um, to financial uh, companies. And it's funny that whatever is stolen from the internet is available on the dark web within 15 minutes.
0: Oh, I get the notifications. Yeah, it's like your data was found in this breach and yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And
1: then within 15 minutes, someone, you know, up there, like, you know, from any part of the world will actually have say credit card for sale. <laughs> and then that's it. You know, your your information is sold. You'll see. I mean, I got I was a victim of um of a bank fraud, which basically was my my debit card was used in, in LA for like, you know, sixty thousand dollars worth of shopping uh, on best buy and you know circuit city and you know it was just uh so yeah these are these things happen
0: did you stop it before they shipped
1: <laughs> no uh in fact there was someone who actually bought it uh those items and walked out uh walked walked out with them so within 15 minutes when i got when i got the call from bank of america they it's already too late the guy had left so did you have fraud protection
0: on your card or did you have to eat it
1: no, no, I did. I mean, these, all okay. these banks, you know, provide fraud protection. So I was covered, but still, it's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, well, they probably, you know, have their their group that goes and meets with law enforcement and tries to hunt them down and recover it too, probably.
1: And, you know, I know exactly where it came from. By the way, I, I could tell because my son was was nine years old and he asked me for, for my credit card because he, he, le- he left some, I think he was buying some LeBrons or something like that. And he took my credit card. And then a day later, this happened. So this is this is a real... And he got a counterfeit product and my card got stolen. So this was a double... <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a classic case of an off-sex security. That's why I'm in it so much. I want to go after
0: these bad actors. <laughs> I love it. Well, one thing I wanted to make sure as we wrap up and we're getting close to time here... Uh, there were a couple of questions, and I didn't know if you've gotten to touch on them already or not, but one of them was about uh, your data being a competitive advantage and what you meant by that.
1: Yeah, um, similar to what I've just mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago is that we, you know, we have big data at our, you know, disposal, you know, from years of research, you know, on the su- on the subject. And... This data basically helps us, you know, get to a very high detection rate and high enforcement rates uh, and very effective. Like for example, when when we get into legal battles, you know, when we get into cases of shutting down an IP or shutting down a brand or a listing and things like that, that data is is behind the scenes helping us make those, you know, those right decisions. And then we have a very high success rate of these you know these cases that data is not easy to acquire it, it basically is hours of investigative services that you know goes in so you know it's a it's a combination of our our data our platforms and technology or the use of ai and machine learning and then a killer combo with, with the people it makes it you know this unique combination that we we go after these bad actors but um, you know the, the data set that we have i can easily claim that i don't think anyone else has and you know we use different clustering mechanisms we use different data lakes you know things like that to be able to get to the data that we we are looking for and we can zoom in down to uh, a single transaction you know per client
0: that's amazing. Is there anything that PR wanted us to get out there that we didn't touch on?
1: One more aspect on the um, on the physical side uh, to touch upon a little bit, because you know these are this is important for me to for, for me to mention is that the digital side is 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 important, but the physical side, where still the consumers are going out there buying stuff. You know, that technology, we've mastered that as well with these, you know, holograms that no one else can design. Basically making it more and more for these counterfeiters to replicate and then, you know, sell products in the market. So tax stamps, you know, any other tags, holograms, anything that basically makes this industry difficult for for these bad actors to crack into has been a great uh, journey and we do a lot of innovation in terms of the factory work that we do as well so this is a you know it's a great combination so if you're looking for a 360 solution you know which is looking after these you know different clients physical as well as the digital ones it's uh, it's great so so that I, I, I wanted to mention and then also just that the number of innovations and the secret projects we do have some secret projects that are going on right now which are very much a silicon valley thing that i'm <laughs> trying to get that out there like a- apple would have you know these great secret projects that they, they work on and no one knows about them we, we do have some innovative um, you know projects that are in flight which basically are going to disrupt this market even more so looking forward to uh, to roll those out so if we speak in, in the next couple of months or so i'll I'll share with you some cool stuff
0: let's do it You've got me interested, my friend. I want to know what's coming down the pipeline. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm always interested in what's going on, and people will be interested because honestly, this is a fascinating topic. I was super excited to talk with you because, I mean, everybody's a consumer, right? We all consume, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's
1: a big market. It's billions of dollars that is is at stake, and not an easy job, by the way. But um, but it's fun. It's exciting. It's it's making a difference.